Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace. Strengthening the Saints Against Islam's Assault on North America. Well, you've joined us again today at the Corner of Truth and Courage. This is Tom Wallace. Well, welcome. We are continuing our study on answering Islam. We're in lesson number 20. This is a course that I teach in colleges, and I'm sharing this now with you, our radio audience. And we're talking about the faith and practice of Islam. We're now moving into uh, some of the doctrines and practices of real Islam. We've covered the reformers, the fake Islam, those who choose and pick the passages that they like to fit the God that they want to have. Um, you know, there's Christians out there doing the same thing. Let's, let's face it. There's real Christianity and fake Christianity. Uh, fake Christianity. Uh, I come across some of these preachers out there who will say, Oh, my God won't send people to hell. Oh, my God won't judge homosexuals and so on there. And my response to them is, you're right. Your God won't because he's a God of your imagination. But the God of the Bible will judge. And a real Christian will preach and warn people of the judgment of the God of the Bible, not the God of these so-called Christian preachers out there who have a fantasy of what God is. In Islam, we have the same thing. We have real Islam and fake Islam. We've talked about that in the last uh, broadcast or two. Now let's turn to real Islam. And you must understand that Muslims have very little guarantees of heaven, very little assurance. The only real assurance that they have is to die as a shaheed, as a martyr, performing jihad. But let me show something to you so you understand uh, what we're dealing with. Even Muhammad himself had doubts of his own eternal security. In Surah 46, verses 8 and 9, I'll just cut to the chase because there's some development in these passages. But here he clearly says, I am not an innovation among the messengers, and I know not what shall be done with me or with you. He is explaining that we can't say this has been forged, that uh, we have no power to do this against Allah. God is sovereign, Allah is sovereign, and we cannot be satisfied or secure and forged in our knowledge of our salvation. He went on to say in the Bukhari collections where we have the teachings of Muhammad, we have it witnessed as he's consoling a person who has lost his, his relative. And he goes on to say to him, by Allah, that I am the apostle of Allah, yet I do not know what Allah will do to me. You know, in, in other words, even the apostle of Allah has no real assurance what the God Allah will do with us. In another a passage of Bukhari, of the Hadiths, what we call the Sunnah, the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad as it was recorded by his companions. And he is listing people that he is related to. He speaks of the tribe that he was related to. Oh, people of Quraysh, the Quraysh tribe. Uh, buy, save yourselves. In other words, your salvation is something you buy, you earn. Buy yourselves from hellfire as I cannot save you from Allah's punishment. He says of his great-grandfather, Bani Abid Manaf, I cannot save you from Allah's punishment. 
O Sophia, the aunt of Allah's apostle, I cannot save you from Allah's punishment, he said. Then he speaks of his daughter, O Fatima, ask me anything from my wealth, but I cannot save you from Allah's punishment. There is no guarantee for a person to gain salvation in Islam, except for one thing, and that is to die as a shaheed, which we talked about yesterday, the promise, the seven blessings of the shaheed. Number one, his he is forgiven the moment his blood is shed. He'll be shown his place in paradise. He will be spared the trial of the grave. He will be secure on the day of the greatest terror, the day of judgment. He will receive a crown of dignity, one ruby, which is better than all the world has in it. And then he'll be married to the 72 virgins. And then he'll be permitted to intercede or plead for 70 others. So not only does he gain his salvation, he gains the salvation of 70 others. Now, with that in mind, if the only way a Muslim can secure for himself salvation is to die performing jihad as a shaheed, a martyrdom, to kill the kafir, the unbeliever, as Muhammad had also said in the hadiths, we hear him saying that 60 minutes on the battlefield performing jihad is worth more. This is how you buy. This is how you purchase your salvation to a Muslim. You 60 minutes on the battlefield performing jihad is worth more than 60 years of salats, of prayers. 60 minutes performing jihad is worth more than 60 years of prayer. So, Let's let let's just add this up, folks. Does Muhammad teach violence? Is that part of the Islamic way? According to the scriptures of Islam, it certainly is. Surah 929. Fight those who believe not in Allah. Very clearly, it is. Now, we here in the West, we're just starting to wake up to this. We keep seeing the violence of Islam, and yet they keep feeding us this false narrative that Islam is a religion of peace. And I don't have the time to get into this in today's broadcast, but they were attacking us before 9-11. I, I, I could go back and list 1985, 329 people killed. Uh, their, the Air India flight uh, exploded. The uh, 747 was brought down Pan Am, 270 people killed in 1988. In 1999, we had the bombing in the apartments in Russia, uh, 307 killed. 796 people killed in the cinema there in Iran, another attack there. In 1978, 422 killed. 1993, 257. 2001, 252 people killed. 1983, 309. We can go on and on and on of examples, and we can trace also back many, many centuries for 1,400 years of bloodshed by Muslims in the name of their God, Allah. So Muslims are bent on this idea of killing the kafir. Why? Because it's their way of salvation. Now, let's look at the terrorist groups that are in operation today. Most of them are Sunni terrorists. Some of them are Shiite. Um, people say, well, which group is the, you know, the peaceful group? Neither. Neither are peaceful. Both are militant. They have their 
groups that are militant and groups that are non-militant. The non-militants are the non-practicing Muslims. They're the ones who are moderate. They're the ones who are not truly following their religion. Let's face it, we have people around there calling themselves Christians and they have no idea what salvation is. They may not even own a Bible. If they've ever been to church, it's been very rarely. And yet they're Christian. We could call them non-practicing or moderate Christians at best. Christian in name. Many Muslims are the same. But those who are truly following the fundamentalism of Islam, the fundamental practices, they are likely to be militant. Or if they don't have the courage to be, they may not act that out, but they may believe in it. Now the Sunni terrorist groups, there are many of them. The Mujahideen, we became familiar with them in Afghanistan. The Muslim Brotherhood from Egypt, they birthed the group Hamas. Now the Muslim Brotherhood is very sly. They're the trickiest in that group there because they also have a political side and they're very careful in their language there. We'll come back to them. Al-Qaeda from Saudi Arabia has birthed other groups that have borne out of Al-Qaeda. Al-Nusra from Syria and ISIS. The Islamic State is a branch off from Al-Qaeda. Then you have other Sunni terrorist groups operating in Africa, Nigeria, and Chad, the Boko Haram, the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. They are a Sunni terrorist organization, the Jamaat al-Fukra group from Pakistan, and there are many, many others. You've heard of other groups like Hezbollah in Lebanon. These are Shiites. The Houthi rebels that you hear of of the war in Yemen. The Houthi are Shiites. And then, of course, the Iranian government. It is the largest government state-sponsored terrorist group on the face of the globe. And they are Shiites. And difference between the Sunni Muslim and the Shiites, quickly. The Shiites believe that the successor, the caliph, the one who succeeds, the prophet, should be related to Muhammad, should be of the bloodline. And if they wear a black turban, then these are the ones who are Shiites usually who believe that they have a direct lineage to Muhammad himself, that they are proper, true candidates to become the caliph because they are related to Muhammad. Then you have the Sunni Muslims who are actually more scriptural. They believe whoever Allah wills, is the next caliph. And they really have the doctrine on their side, to tell you the truth. And uh, 85% of the Muslims in the world are Sunni. Very few of them are Shiites. Now, who's the most dangerous terrorist group on the face of the earth? Well, I've done a lot of broadcasting and a lot of research and a lot of things we've shared on our website at fortressoffaith.org. And I encourage you to go and to do the search there on our website and type in the Muslim Brotherhood. I consider the Muslim Brotherhood as the most dangerous terrorist organization on the face of the earth. Now, before I continue on that, let me quickly step into this uh, to answer, address the idea, is it not ISIS? Because when I ask this question across America, I ask, who do you believe is the most dangerous terrorist organization? Invariably, many, many people raise their hand and claim ISIS, the Islamic State. Uh, why? Well, I believe they have certainly been the most brutal 
of the terrorist groups in their short history. Their tactics are bold and brash, and they have actually, in the modern era, pulled off the idea of reestablishing the Islamic State, the caliphate. And this was a great appeal to many Muslims around the world. 40,000 foreigners, Muslims from around the world, converged on Syria to join this caliphate, the Islamic State. This has been the dream of Muslims. And they're the first group to actually pull it off, although it's been short-lived. I wouldn't say that the Islamic State, ISIS, is uh, broken up completely. In fact, there's evidence that there's some growth. But al-Baghdadi and his efforts have been thwarted by, uh, actually, it's really been since Trump has been president that they've actually put some nails into the coffin of ISIS. But quickly, let me turn to why do I believe the Muslim Brotherhood is the dangerous terrorist group? Well, most of my answers, you're going to have to go to our website because we've got plenty of information, but here it is. They are the smartest group. They are working uh, without being identified as terrorists. Even the American United States government refuses or has not yet classified the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization, yet they birthed many terrorist organizations, and they are working under our nose. They are in our own country, and it's like the fox guarding the hen house and that's why i believe they are the greatest threat to us because we refuse to see them as the enemy more on that in future broadcasts but we're out of time join us again next week at the corner of truth and courage god bless you